Good morning, Jay. Good morning. Oh yeah. So we are we are here to proceed with our relief pitcher rankings. We're Live. here. Live. Saturday morning. It's Saturday morning. It's six thirty in the morning. I'm tired as hell. It's almost yes. seven actually. Um yeah. but uh yeah, we uh <clears throat> last week or however long ago that was, um, we had some special guests and um, we talked about, we mentioned about the top 15 to 20 names um, for relief pitchers in fantasy baseball in 2024. And in keeping in in spirit with our deep league uh, content, we're going to, we're going to pick up where we left off this week. We're going to talk about some remaining um, closers, guys who we have not mentioned their name yet, but they are um, essentially the closers on their team, the RP1 on their team. And also, then we'll get probably through, you know, around names 30 to 50. We're going to mention some of the best relievers. Um, uh, some uh, From a setup standpoint. Yes. And these are people that are in – you've got your groups that you made. So some of these people are – we're calling them firemen. They're going to put out the fires. They're going to come in. They're going to – some of these people, you're going to be thunderstruck when they yeah, come out. Yeah, just like when they, when they come out with that fastball and uh, that, that wipeout, you know, breaking pitch that, that follows that. And then you've got your whip specialists who are going to keep the hits, um, walks, and runs under control. And um, so – Those are the guys you can bring in if you need a guy – to, to like say there's one out and there's two on and your team's only up one run and you got the heart of the acting border in maybe you don't want to bring your best reliever in you want to bring that guy that you know you've got the most confidence in getting that ground ball that's right because that ground ball is going to potentially create a double play and get you out of that inning yep till it squeaks out of the infield and then but hey it happens well that's why you want to pick relievers and have good defenses behind them absolutely so uh once again we are continuing our relief pitcher podcast part two we're not going to go long this time but we had a blast last week talking to chuck and jeff and that was so fun guys we just want you to get a little insight uh we've developed our acumen through the years by playing in these deep category leagues and uh, two specifically that we we are a part of the fantasy premier league and the fantasy forever league uh i i encourage you to to look us up we are uh on yahoo and pantract with those leagues and uh just even if you just play play categories leagues you know those formats um tend to favor category leagues really well but any anyway, the reason I'm saying this because a lot of people who publish content when they do relief pitcher rankings, they really only cover who's the closers, who's in the committees for closers, or who's next in line to close. Well, let's throw all that crap out. We want quality closers, quality setup men, and quality relievers because deep category leagues often play with holds and great ratios. So again, to reference what I had said last week, I believe when we're looking at relievers here, we're looking for guys that get results, they get saves, they get holds, they win, or they, they get win. 
Brent Suter, or Brent Suter for the Milwaukee Brewers two years ago, had 12 wins. He wasn't a closer. He was just a middle reliever. You usually came in in the seventh inning. But I guarantee you, you look up his rankings and the road ranks after the year, that 12 wins carried a lot of weight. I'm not saying prime pick relievers have projected get that many wins. But if you follow these philosophies and you pick relievers on good teams, you're going to have a chance of stuff like that. They're outliers, but we're chasing outliers in this game. That's how we win. So again, we're looking for relievers who get results, relievers who have whips south of 1.2, walk to his printing pitch, that is. They're only in for uh, one to three innings, and so you don't want a guy that's going to walk the park. They don't have enough time to overcompensate that. They need to be able to have some semblance of control. You also want guys with K per nines above a K in inning, if possible. If they're at a K in inning, they better bring something else to the table. You want relievers on good teams. And again, we mentioned those relievers who are who also have SP eligibility because in some formats you can uh, say you don't have any starters going that day and you want to get some good pitching numbers and all your RP and your P spots are filled. But if you've got a guy that you know is a good holds guy and he's got SP eligibility attached to his name or you can just plug him in and you got next or a lever in your lineup. So that being said, Jay, we covered uh, guys I feel like we thought would be comfortable as our number one relief pitcher in a deep league. And we went as far down as Clay Holmes. And some of us would probably not feel comfortable there. And some of us would. I, I, I'm I in the boat that if I'm, I'm confident my ability to pick out good relievers later in the draft. So if Clay Holmes was my RP1, I would be okay with it. It's not my goal. Yeah. But Today, I think we're going to focus more on the rest of this top 50 that I've come up with. Again, they're not rankings. They're just a compilation of different skill sets. But I will say that we believe that these relievers in deep category leagues should at the very least be your RP2. So by the time we're done with these lists, you, you really want two of these guys, RP1s, RP2s, the guys we talked about last week and this week. But for me and for some others, most others, two relief pitchers is not enough. So really, this is just a start. This this pool of players is so vast that you really want, I feel like, bare minimum four relievers. Some of us like to go for more. Some yeah. of us don't. But that's why we're keeping it at 50 and we'll let you branch from there. Yes. Jay, I'm going to let you take the horn here. Uh, some leagues are going to have two RP spots and two regular pitcher spots. Some are going to have maybe two and three. So yeah, I think you want to have like two, uh, you're probably trying to get like two, let's call them closers on your team and then three other relievers at least. Right. And then you've talked about the having guys that are starting pitcher eligible and, and, building a little bit bigger bullpen that you can put out there day in and day out. And I agree with you on that. You know, when we finished our conversation the last time, I left thinking, you know, there was a couple guys that we didn't mention that I would feel actually pretty good about them being my closer. 
Um, and we're going to get to those names in just a minute. But, you know, the other thing that I was thinking about the last time we talked, and I'm not sure if I said this at the beginning last time, but boy, last year in the Premier League, did I invest a lot of capital into having what I thought were two pretty good lockdown closers. And doggone it, they just didn't really provide me what I was hoping to get from them last year. And definitely they were not like there for me down the stretch and their usage, their usage went down so much in the later part of the season. Um, I, so I had Jordan Romano and Josh Hader as my top two relievers last season in the premier league. And Hader, he may have dealt, I think he dealt with an injury maybe too last year, but Romano definitely dealt with an injury. Uh, I think it was a shoulder thing. Gosh, now I, I was. They really used him weird too. Yes. And they were really like, and the same thing with Hader, they just were not, they would not get him work unless it was a safe situation. So he was not getting work. Now to like, Another an example of a different example would be Emmanuel Class A pitched over seventy innings last year, and he was getting put in the game in non-safe situations. Sometimes when they were down a run or two, Chuck, you know, uh, Ill, you know, brought that up last uh, time, and you know, I don't know, I don't think he always did great in those situations necessarily, which you do start to realize with these closers, like sometimes it does matter, you know, when and how they're um, implemented in the game, but their usage was just not there at all down the stretch. So I got nothing from those guys in the later part of the season. Having said that, you have to strategize around that. You've got to, if you're not getting the usage, you've got to adjust there and you've got to fill your bullpen with other guys that are getting to pitch Two or three times a week, but you bring up a good I left point. with a bad taste in my mouth after last year. So I'm my philosophy right now is I'm not willing to spend um, on these top guys in the draft, and I'm going to tell you some names that um, deep league uh, listeners that are going to most likely be my closer. Um, going or your into this top season relief or my top relief, so let's call it that. Punt saves. Yeah, my top relief pitcher. I'm hoping to have a couple saves, guys, but more than likely, I'm not going to be drafting any of the names that we mentioned, unfortunately. Not that I wouldn't love to have some of these guys on my team. Um, well, well, so, so let's let's list just rapid fire who we talked about last week. Before so, we do that, I, I do want to say to what you were saying, like uh, relief pitcher usage, like – it's huge, and I you used the word usage a lot, and it, that's what I really like. I want to find relievers who you could tell the managers and the team just relies on them, and and yep. they're the guy that you know, even in if non if they're a setup guy uh, or if they're a closer, they're out there, even if it's not a decision, you know, that they're gonna ultimately end up with. Um, but you can tell the trust on the team and I'm, you know, and I, I was thinking about what you said about having Hader and Romano and that's still a, a nice one, two punch I would love to have. 
it is investing a lot. I'm not sure I would invest that much capital in an RP2 like Romano like that. So if I got hater, I would more more likely um try to find guys that I think are gonna end up being better than someone like Romano. Just just maybe they're not a closer typically. Yeah. But um I think I would be curious to know, and you don't have to go into this on air, what the rest of your bullpen looked like. Because throughout the course of the year, relievers' usage is going to be up and down. And hopefully, if you're in a situation like Jay was last year, where you've got a guy like Hayter and Romano, where their usage is weird down the stretch, hopefully you've been building that bullpen so your RPs 3, 4, and 5 are still getting your results because you know... Hater's not going to stay down for long. Okay, and sorry, he was on a Padres team that, unfortunately, they didn't know what the heck they were doing down the stretch last year. Apparently, they had to take out, I believe, what, a $50 million loan to cover payroll in the offseason. They've got a lot of issues going on with the front office, and I think it was a disconnect. This is just my opinion, but I think it was a disconnect between the front office and the managers and the players. And I think that was playing in stuff. Well, now you've got Hater in Houston with a good culture around him. I, I don't care where people side on whether they like Houston or not. You can't argue the fact that they have a close-knit culture. And I believe Hater's going to thrive. Now, Romano, Romano is a good reliever, but it's just a... Weird situation there in Toronto. I think his usage is going to peak some valleys. But, um, yeah, so thanks for sharing that, Jay. But let's, get, let, let's shine some light on some of these guys that maybe you would like to invest in. Uh, you want to start off with these so-called firemen, strikeout artists? Yeah, so, and uh, just to clarify, I don't know if we mentioned, um, we didn't really talk about Rysel Iglesias last week. Uh, we didn't really talk about David Bednar. Really didn't say much about Camilo Duvall. So those are the last few names on your RP1 with results group. So that's kind of your second group. That's your guys that you still feel comfortable with them as your top guy. Do we want to repeat all these guys that I would consider an RP1 just for clarification? Yeah, just go right down the list. Okay. So... Again, there there is uh, – I broke up in two categories. Now, again, it's going to be flexible, but we're not going to focus on these guys today. We covered these guys last week. But if, Jay, there's something you want to say about a few of them that we didn't, you can. But uh, we got Elias Diaz. Now, these aren't all traditional closer, too. Some of these will be um, used to get saves and holds. But Elias Diaz – I'm sorry, Elias – oh, my God. Edwin Diaz. Why did I say Elias? <laughs> He's the catcher for the Rockies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Guys, I've not had enough Hey, it's a head. name My worth apologies. mentioning, you know. It but, is. Uh, but the only thing that guy's got going for him is he plays in Coors Field. So. <laughs> right. Edwin Diaz, Joan Duran, Devin Williams, Emmanuel Classe, Pete Fairbanks, Josh Hader. Now we get into the guys that I consider solid straight-up RP1s that get your results. They have some of these uh, strikeout tendencies, but I just clump them into RP1 because I I feel like they are solidly an RP1 that you can feel good about. Andres Munoz, Ryan Helsley, Evan Phillips, Tanner Scott, Rysel Iglesias, 
David Bednar, Camilo Duvall, Jordan Romano, and Clay Holmes. I don't, you know, not a lot to say besides the fact that I didn't want to overlook these guys because David Bednar in 2023. He's been late out ERA for a couple years now. Two. ERA, two. The whip was 1.1, which, you know, he's a, he got, what, uh, 80, 80 strikeouts in 67 innings and 39 saves. So you're talking about, you know, he's an outright top guy now. Not that he wasn't, you know, he was in 2022 as well, basically. He was getting the um, mixed, I think, usage in 2022. He may have been in a more flexible role but now he's the closer um and you know the pirates were winning a ton of games early in the season last season god you remember that crazy run they went on before they i mean weren't they winning their division in in may and like maybe even into june i'm trying to remember how long that lasted anyways i feel like the pirates always like in april and may like get off to a good start and then they just become the pirates again. I oh, hate man, it, but they were they were getting out of their like minds. Like David though. Bednar, I hate it for guys sure. like Brian Reynolds. I hate it for guys uh, that have been there that are good, solid players that just cannot seem to see success. You know, I'll I think even, a lot of them are good, solid baseball players. It's just you know. They don't have the, obviously, we know what they don't have. They don't have the payroll. They don't have the big names around them or any free agents come into town. But that's not that's not who they are as a team. It's not, you know, it's like, God, remember the, I mean, can they ever be like, remember what the Padres were before they were the Padres that we know now from the last few years? I mean, they were, they were uh, not that different from the Pirates. Five, six years ago. Oh, they weren't. Anyways, Bednar definitely belongs on this list. Um, Camilla Duvall. Um, you know, his his whip in 2022 was 1.24. It got better in 2023. It was 1.14. He threw 87 strikeouts in 67 in two-thirds innings last year. Um, with 39 saves as well. So... Yeah, definitely belongs on this list. Um, Rysel Iglesias, I, you know, I don't know what to say about this guy. I was not, I was not high on this guy for a couple of years. I, had him I just all year last year. I, I didn't trust him for a while, and then the last two years in fantasy, like I can't argue with results. I, I can't argue with he, results. He's so like I, one of your best results. Yeah, here's I, the thing. He's and getting I older. Cannot argue People with that. keep thinking he's going to decline. But he is who he is. He's one of the few guys where he's being paid to go into the ninth inning. Yep. Like, it's a clear defined role. And right. he's the closer on arguably the best team in baseball. At least they've been the best team in the regular season the last few years. Which is all we truly care about for fantasy purposes. Because yeah. we don't collect that in the playoff. I mean... He's he's about as safe as a bet for thirty saves. Yep, as anybody. I agree. And you don't have to pay. I mean, you got to pay up for him, but you don't have to pay a premium. For yeah, him. yeah. Now, yeah. having said that, most likely, if I'm thinking about drafting him, 
I'm going to be waiting, and I'm going to be picking one of these names that we're about to mention down this list. Okay, right, so let's like, get to these names. So, are we are we talking the firemen? Well, let's start with the firemen. Okay. And these guys aren't all um, these guys aren't all closers. Okay, but these are guys who are going to come in. They're going to put out the these fires. They're going to strike you out. They may bolster some saves, right? Um, Jose Alvarado is a name that. Um, he was He's my, he, he, he was in, in 2022, I think he was my like last round, uh, draft pick in the premier league. And I was like super excited about this. I'm like this guy, you know, they brought him to Philadelphia. They, you know, this guy's throwing 101, you know, every freaking pitch they want, you know, they wanted to get something, you know, big out of him. He's going to be a big part of their bullpen and he has been, but you know, he is, um, well, you know, his, his ERA and whip are, are going to be, his whip has been sky high at times, but he's settling into, um, he's, he has a very important role in the Philadelphia bullpen. He is going to get you saves and holds most likely and, um, throws a lot of strikeouts. And I mean, What's the top gun on this guy? Like, I mean, he's throwing he's throwing a hundred every time. Sometimes is it a hundred, two hundred, three? So, so I, I would look at him as that. I don't know off the top of my head what he got, but the problem it, is if his whip is one point five at the end of the season, then you know that you've gone through a lot and of. He tough, does have the times. he does have that side of him, but I will say as he's got older. And, and it's like a control issue. It's you know, getting that ball in the strike he's zone. He's in a good team contact with Philadelphia. Absolutely. And they know how to use him. Absolutely. I think he only pitched 46 innings last year, but he had 71 strikeouts in 46 innings. This guy... He's the a little bit of a loose I cannon, I feel like, too. He's he a little bit he's he's emotional. He's out he there. Is. And I've learned to love you that. You kind of want that. You do, a, I do. Like as the, really the older I get, the more I just respect that. Although and they I'm got like, a little bit of control. Would, the game of baseball is so interesting with that, isn't it? Because the American baseball community, we want you to keep it all inside. Don't show any emotion. Be professional. Follow the unwritten rules, but that's all changing now. Yes. It's becoming a different. And it all started with Jose Batista's fucking bat flip in the playoff. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I do think that was the that was the watershed, wasn't it? Oh, um, that was so. Cool. But now we have stars like Bryce Harper, who yeah, um, I love Bryce Harper. I'm a fan. I consider myself a fan, and I just I like to see the emotion now, and so I don't argue with it. Now, don't be celebrating so much that you break Edwin Diaz's kneecap. Okay, that's the cautionary tale here, guys. Take right. it easy with the celebration. Well, let's start. Don't talking. pump your fist so hard, Jose Alvarado, that you hurt your arm, your throwing arm, or okay? don't unbutton your shirt so hard that you break your left hand, Mister Pleadak. Please, exactly, <laughs> and don't don't start any fights this year, Jose Alvarado. Don't get everybody fired up and clear the benches. Just do your job. Get the guys out. All right. We're gonna keep moving. Well, let's let's start talking names here, guys. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna clump. I'm gonna talk about four names here. Well, Jay's already touched on one, but like, all right, guys, I've listed as firemen. Firemen to me means they they've got the trust of their team's manager. 
in their organization that come in any given time. You can see them in the 6th, the 7th, the 8th, or even the ninth to face a certain part of the order where there's maybe certain situations where there's there's more. Some of these guys have a little, a little bit longer of a leash to go more than one inning. Some of these guys will go a couple innings, maybe even three innings and uh, a few of their cases. But at, at this point, you know, Fireman means exactly what Jay alluded to earlier. We're coming in. They're coming in to put out the fire. Uh, the guys I have here, Brian Abreu from the Houston Astros. He was one of the top setup men in all of baseball last year, pitching right in front of Ryan Helsley, most of the time in the eighth inning, but sometimes he came in the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, and he vultured some saves too. But he had 100 strikeouts and 72 innings, with a whip of 1.04 last year. That's elite. Whenever you've got a reliever that's giving you 100 strikeouts with an elite whip like that on a team like the Astros, he's going to get results. This is, guys, this is what we're talking about. This is why you don't have to chase closers on bad teams when you can just say, oh, Maybe I punt saves the first month, invest in a guy like this, and then pick up some of these guys off the waiver wire that are going to get 10 to 15 saves down the stretch once they've won their jobs instead of avoiding the mess of closure situations that have to sort themselves out in the spring. Another example would be Matt Strom. He was a former starter for the Padres, uh, that kind of went through his ups and downs. And then he came back to Philadelphia. He's been there for a couple of years. And he's come on strong as a reliever. And I may yeah. be tipping my cap on this one, but I love this guy. Because Matt Strom has SPL. Well, at least last year, he yeah. had SP eligibility. I don't think he will this year. But Matt Strom had 108 strikeouts and 87 and two-thirds any pitch yep. with a 102 whip. Hello, career evolution. This is your classic case of a guy who you knew had good stuff. Yeah. That came up as a starter. Yeah. Failed. Came to a realization, had good people in his camp talking to him, and reinvented himself as a reliever. And I would not be shocked if Matt Strom is the leader in save for Philadelphia the next two or three years. They have a bunch of guys there, and we're, we're going to talk about a few of them here coming down the list. Uh, but Matt Strom has the faith and the coaching staff in Philadelphia, and uh, he's definitely earned himself uh, high high marks for his performance last year. And then we 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 go on to say we talked about Ronaldo Lopez last year, a similar uh, last week, kind of a similar situation. Now this one, this one, I'm However, trying to. We don't know where we're going to end. Well, up we don't. But here's what I'm saying. So for the record, Jay and I both hope he's a fireman and not a stretched out starter. Yeah, I feel like Ronaldo Lopez. I'm highlighting him here because everybody knows he's a great stuff, and he's failed as a starter and succeeded as a reliever. Now he's going to, again, one of those five teams where they sign you as a pitcher, especially early in the offseason, i.e. the Braves, the Dodgers, the Rays, the Twins, the Mariners. 
you got to pay attention. And here's the thing. Absolutely. Bernardo Lopez, because he was a starter, can come in for the Braves and pitch anywhere. And I believe he will be best utilized if they let him go two to three innings at a time. I agree. This, this is your guy that's going to rack up holds and strikeouts per innings pitch. Maybe wins, and I too, think, if we yeah. have to come in in the oh, fourth inning yes. and, and pitch a few innings. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think he's going to be the most talented reliever in that Atlanta bullpen. He's just not Rice at Iglesias, yeah. so he's not going to get the save. I agree. But I also think, you know, and people get to bear with it, he'll, he'll get some spot starts. He might act as an opener. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. Ride the wave with these guys. Absolutely. It's all about the long game, not the short game in the season. Reynaldo so, Lopez also has the distinction of being the first notable offseason signing. We alluded to this last week. This is big. Because if you look back in the offseason of 2022, so this would have been the fall of 21, the Dodgers signed Andrew Haney. They signed him in early November and had all offseason to work with what they felt like he did well mm-hmm. and and get rid of what he wasn't doing well. And he ended up having a career year in 2022 and parlayed that into a big contract with Texas. Yep. In the offseason 2022 going into 2023, the Rays signed Zach Eflin as the first notable offseason acquisition. I don't think I need to defend that. We all saw what Eflin did. Yeah, I draft, I'm one of those guys that was like, huh, I'm going to take a flyer in this guy. I drafted him late. It was after pick 250. It was right around pick 250. I think I drafted him about, I, I bumped him up a couple of rounds because of what I thought he was going to do, and I I was able to benefit from that greatly. Guys, I, you're hearing from Nan, my cat. She had something to say about Reynaldo Lopez. Nan, yes. you want to say anything else? Huh? She says Reynaldo Lopez is going to dominate this year. Yeah, Reynaldo I mean, Lopez it, this year's. You, are we going to have a, we going to have a hundred inning total at the end of this season in this in this I in this fireman Lopez is innings and hundred twenty some strikeouts by the end of the year is going to look very comparable to what I just said, Matt Strom. Yeah, I, I can see that. Actually, happen. I think he might throw a little bit more innings too. I I really do. Tell him. And then we also got Jose Alvarado here. Um, he's not going to throw as many innings, but he is who he is. But he had he's a jack of all trade. He had 10 saves and 11 holds. You can't go wrong with this guy, you know? Um, he's just going to he's going to inflate your peripheral stats at times. He's he going he's going to give up hits and runs but just because if someone team. connects with that uh, you know, Blazing fastball, then you know it might go far. So, but that's you know, but yeah, he plays for a good team. He's I feel like settling into that role. They've brought him out time and time again, despite those mixed results. Let's call them, you know, that that happen at times. And his kind of, he's like I don't know, effectively wild. If that's the you know way to describe him, it's it's one of those. <laughs> Guys, as we go Hit this, down, man. Hit as, this. Yes. Here. As we go Hit down this, this list, fastball. we are giving you quality. If you want to punt save because you don't want to invest high, 
You don't have to punt save all year. Just punt saves in April and May and invest in these quality relievers that will protect, that will give you high K per nine results, wins, holds. So is this the rest of your fireman list here? No, we're going to go into the strikeout Oh, these artists. are the strikeout But the strikeout artists, artists are very comparable as a fireman. Uh, let's go over some of these names and we can clump them together because I would feel comfortable if I was punting saves, investing in these guys because you can get them later in the draft. Yep. You know, when people are looking for closers on bad teams, they're they're sorting their filters out. They're like, oh, who's left has got the most projected saves? No, let's avoid all that crap. Let's go for quality. All right, so you got Matt Brash. God, you're so right. How 107 strikeouts and 70 and two-thirds inning. Got an amazing arsenal led by that knuckle curb. And he he uh, he's another example of someone who tried his ploy as a starter and just could not avoid walking the park every other start. Yeah. But Seattle, one of those five teams I told you about, really worked with him, you know, that 2022 season when he started as a starter and then converted him to a reliever after a stint in the minors. He came back in, like, June or July of that year. And the next thing you know, he was the seventh-inning guy. Munoz was the eighth-inning guy. And uh, Seawald was the ninth-inning guy. Mm-hmm. Well, they traded Seawald last year. God, what Munoz a, is an amazing pitcher. What a connection there. Huh? A great strikeout artist in himself. And then yeah. you've got another strikeout artist and Matt Brash right yeah. in front of him. Uh, there's going to be some names on here that you guys may not have heard. And I'm so excited. For this, but again, we're going for quality. So let's keep going. Some of you guys are already a topic closer too. This is a true mix. Yes, Alexis Diaz for Cincinnati. He is their closer, but he's got great strikeout stuff. Oh my god! Now he's got some warts, but I I had to put him in the strikeout artist list because I feel like that's his biggest tool because he can come in and uh, he's got a lot of things to work on, but he's. A, he's got the ability to strike people out like, well, maybe like his older brother. And let's just say last season, okay, Alexis Diaz finished the season with a 3.07 ERA, 1.18 whip, and 87 strikeouts in 67 innings. He was pretty much lights out for good part of the season, and he really struggled in the late part of last season. He had like an... ERA over eight in like the last month or so of the season. And that is what inflated these numbers. So what you're really looking at possibly is more is is lower ratios and maybe even more strikeouts than what you know, strikeouts per inning than what you're yeah. seeing right here. Oh yeah. Um and he's gonna get plenty of saves on a you know uh the Reds are another team in baseball that got better. Um, from from you know last season of this season, like a lot of teams, I'm so excited about baseball right now. So many teams got better. Yes. Anyways, let's keep going down this list. So um, this is so fun. I love this list, Jay, because we're just all over the place. Too. We went from an established guy in Alexis. Well, if you want to call him established, he only got right. that job in the last year. Yeah, but let's talk about a guy who, if I gave you his last name, I feel like the majority of the fantasy community wouldn't even know his first name. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a deep league special sleeper right here. His name 
is Abner Uribe. He pitches for the Milwaukee Brewers, and he's not made it to the bigs yet. But with the Brewers trading like Corbin Burns and their potential trade of Devin Williams looming at some point in the future, Mm -hmm. this guy has the attention of all the Milwaukee faithful as their future potential closer. This guy has elite stuff. Um, we've just not seen him in the majors. And I, I, if you look at his minor league numbers, the strikeouts per nine are are really, really, the, not even the results show it. Like, you have to watch him pitch. He's got filthy stuff. And he's coming up in an organization that's not bad. They're not bad at, at, do, at working with the project pitchers. Not yeah. to say he's a project, but this is this is a name to remember. I'm not saying like like he's a good late round dart throw. If if you want if you want to punt save and uh, maybe speculate on someone who might might work his way into the save mix in July or August, this is a name to remember because I do think that he will probably break camp with the Brewers and be in their bullpen to start the year. He's just going to be in the seventh or eighth inning roll to start. So he may get some holds, you know, early in the year too. They got Joel Pimps there. So he he's probably like going to start off like third or fourth in yeah. line. But that's okay because you're getting them for the strikeouts. And that's where we have the strikeout artist. Now let's go from a complete unknown to one of the game's most dominant closers of the last 10 to 15 years. Uh, and overall is Aroldis Chapman. Did you know Aroldis Chapman? Everybody thinks, oh, he can't throw 104, 105 anymore. Now he's barely in 9,900. He still put up 103 strikeouts at 58 and a 30 in the last Holy year. Cow. Like, results matter. You know? They do. Uh, gosh. I, I don't know that. I, I, I don't know that I would trust Chapman as my RP1, but. He's not a bad bat at your RP two, you know. He he's starting the year off in Pittsburgh, signed a one year deal, and with the idea, I guarantee is to be flipped to a contending team at the deadline when the Pirates inevitably sell, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. But to finish this list out, we got another unknown here. This is probably oh god. This is probably my favorite unknown right here. This is Kyle Hurt of the Dodgers. Kyle Hurt was on the Rays, and uh, he had some major injury problems that curbed his development. He was a highly rated, highly drafted prospect that just through injuries, his early season minor league development got derailed. But now uh, the Rays... A couple years ago, finally got him going, and then the Dodgers acquired him. And last year was his best, most complete season in the minors. Through three levels, he made it to the big leagues at the very end. A little tuning cameo appearance where he struck out three batters, and it was the heart of the Padres lineup. So this guy could be... I think is still his goal is still to be a starter, but with the Dodgers, I believe he's going to make an even better, like Reynaldo Lopez type this year. 
this guy is someone to watch out for as a reliever with the potential to be a starter. This guy is one of your guys that he's got elite strikeout stuff, great control, and he's in an organization that's going to help him optimize his talents. These are the guys, Jason. I love how you put together this list because we don't just have to talk about holds and saves and late innings. We this is the best relievers. These Um, are the guys that if you want to take a late round dart throw and even a deep league that should be available past pick three hundred. Hey, some of you mentioned Joel Piams past pick three fifty. Piams isn't even on your list. Piams got a lot of holds, but I don't see the peripherals. Yeah, putting him into the closest. He was so he is a a fine holds guy. He was so good for a good part of of last season, and then he started to fade uh, as the season went on. And I had to just you know let him go back into the free agent market. But God, he was so good for me. He was a such an important part of my bullpen for good part of the season, and I did not see coming that I could no longer depend on him to do what he did for several months in the middle of the season, but. God, was he good. Anyways, let's keep going on your list. So to finish the strikeout artist list, I have a couple of Phillies and then a fun one. So Greg Soto and Sir Anthony Dominguez go along with Jose Alvarado to... Uh, it's going to be anybody's guess who really gets the saves and the hold, but they're all going to be in the late inning mix in Philadelphia. And Greg Soto and Sir Anthony Dominguez can strike out people with the best of... Um, and so I, I included them here, but then the With one I really ERA north of four, though, you know, and everybody uh, thought ERA that he was again going to be I know maybe I the might closer. Be the right I do not look at ERA. I it is to me, it's an archaic way of, of evaluating the pitcher, and it's so dependent on not only situation that team and defense around them. Like I truly focus in on whip. Well, here's what I'll say is that his whip went from 1.36 in 2022 with the Tigers to 1.14 last year. So I love that. He's doing, he was doing something right in Philadelphia and maybe where he was uh, deployed from Detroit to Philadelphia. And he is not a, uh, that these guys all have 30 saves in Detroit in, uh, 2022, uh-huh. and then just three. And but in he was one of those closers season, so. that you're searching for when you're look, looking for those bad closers on closers on bad team that are going to just tank your ratios. Why? But now he's in a great situation, Philadelphia. Who again, guys? It's not all about the saves. The saves do play a big part of it. But it's about the holds. It's about the strikeouts. It's about the usage. How many pitchers they getting? It's about their ratios. And when I say the ratios, I mean their whip. Like, mm-hmm. are they keeping their walked hits burning pitch low? You know, ERA is going to be team dependent. I get it. It's a stat. It counts. But this is what we have control over. And to finish this list of strikeouts, artists up. You probably got the front runner for saves and the worst bullpen in all of baseball, and that's the Oakland Athletics. But Mason Miller, 
he struck everybody on the minor leagues. You know, I believe he had like 144 strikeouts in like 69 innings over a full minor leagues. He's, he, he has never had a season where I think he's pitched like over 70 innings. So he's got workload concern, which why fine turn him into a reliever because sure. I don't think he was going to work out long term as a starter. So I'm really excited to see what kind of season he puts up. Now, I could foresee a scenario where he only gets like 10 saves. Mm-hmm. But for the innings that he will pitch, he will strike out a lot of guys. I'll be curious to see what his, what his whip ends up at. But it can't hurt playing in Oakland. That's a cavernous outfield, you sure. know, with really it's big looked really good in the, in the minors. It's know, been excellent. Keeps those numbers low, and uh, his K per nine has been uh, pretty pretty darn good. So, Jay, we kind of went all over the place. Why these guys? Let's let's run him back in. And what about Sir Anthony Dominguez? You want to talk what about what happened with? I mean, he was. You you what I think going into last season, a lot of people would have thought he would be the top guy in the bullpen, and that did not pan out. So what do we expect from him in twenty twenty four? I mean, what was really was there really anything wrong with San Anthony Dominguez in twenty twenty three? I mean, let's see what was the end result, and what do we expect from him in twenty twenty four? So uh, last season. ERA was 3.78. I'm guessing that he started to improve on that as the season went on. Um, Whip was 1.4 last season. So what's going on there? 22 walks in 50 innings. I don't know. Uh, Only two saves. So, you know, not very many save appearances. But I don't know. I'm just... I really haven't – I didn't take the time before this to analyze, like, what is going on there. Um, but what I know is that a lot of people would have thought he would be the closer um, in in Philadelphia. So – but anyways, let's go to your RP2 list. Yeah. Well, let's do that. And um, uh, I – on air and make any change, and I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but let's go down the list here and talk about guys that I would feel really safe as my RP2 in any kind of format. Um, and and this is, I'm Jay, this is so fun. We're going all over the place. We got relievers that could be drafted past pick 350, and then we got relievers that will probably be drafted in the top 100 that you got to pay premium out for. So let's start talking about these guys that I feel are solid <coughs> RP2s. You, I'm gonna list. I'm here's how I want to do this because we got a lot of names in this group and the last group, and I I want to do them justice, but I don't want to go over each name. Okay. Um, so I, I'm going to go down the list, uh, and if I want to pick out somebody, I will. But if you want to pick out somebody, let's let's do it. All right. So these guys are solid RP twos. I've got Ryan Presley, AJ Minter, Paul Seawalt, Adbert Alzali, Giovanni Gallegos. Now I put a role Chapman in here, but we already talked about him. David Robertson, Kenley Johnson. Garrett Whitlock, Griffin Jacks, Hector Neres, 
Jose Leclerc, Will Smith, and my omission, I just changed, um, I added Phil Maton. Phil Maton just signed with the Tampa Bay Rays in the last week. Um, so, that's a lot of names there. Uh, Jay, is there... No, I will say... Paul Seabold, Adbert Alzali, Kenley Johnson. Those those guys are going to be closing wherever they're at. Uh, well, I say that in Johnson's case. We know where Alzali and Seabold are. Now, a lot of people, there are some people that would say, I'd like Alzali better than Clay Holmes, and I would feel comfortable with him as my RP1. And I'll, I'll say to that, that's fine. That is my stance. My, my stance on Clay Holmes was: I think the Yankees are going to win a lot more games this year, and sure. I, I think he's he, he's not a bad reliever. He puts up a K per nine and has decent ratios. So, uh, but Alcalá is very similar, and Paul Seawalls, while boring, he's probably going to get twenty five saves in Arizona. Uh, you know, on a decent team, I mean, I think they out. Performed. Obviously, everyone remembers your World Series run. Uh, I just, you know, that was a tale of a team that squeaked in and then got hot. Um, I think they got better even from yeah. last season to this season, though. So I expect them to come out of the gate competing and maybe they'll be in the same situation. I think, you know, <laughs> like we said, like they're, you know, the division they're in and the lead that they're in, the best bet is they got to hope that other teams don't compete as much for that wild card spot, and they got to they got to get that wild card spot because I don't know. Yeah, but no. yes, they got better, but I don't you know that they're going to win their division. You know, they're so. going to be very um, and Shohei Otani is deferring six hundred eighty million of his seven hundred million dollar contract, so they can just go right. out and buy yep. whoever. Yep. I mean, I don't think anyone winning the NL West aside from the Dodgers for the next five. Five, six years. So, so. Adver Alzalay and Paul Seawald are definitely my highlights on this list. And I would feel comfortable with Alzalay as my closer this season. I love this guy. I mean, another um, starter turned reliever, right? It's another story like that. Last season, ERA of 2.67, whip of 1.01, 9.4 Ks per, per nine. Um 20 saves last season in 2023. He's, you know, I don't want to say proven, but had a great season last year. He's the closer this year, right? Um, uh, or actually, is he? Throw, throw that last bit out. This one I want to say. I'm with you. I'm buying Al's play wherever I can. Yeah. Here's why. Let's not talk about saves. He's a good pitcher with good ratios and decent strikeouts. He doesn't stand out anywhere. And last year, he was the closer in Chicago because he was the best the Cubs had. There wasn't a lot of good in that bullpen. However, they went out and recently signed another guy that's on this list, who I just mentioned a little bit later, and Hector Neres. And I do believe Hector Neres will probably get some saves, too. Do I think he'll get more than Alcali? No, I think Alcali is going to lead the team and save but I do think you're going to have a situation where they, they kind of share in the ninth inning. Sure. I think I think Alcali probably gets 65 to 70% of their save. And Naris maybe gets like, I don't know, 30%. And then there's some random 5% amongst guys elsewise. But sure. between those two, now 
that Chicago bullpen looks even better. And I think yep. Hector Neris is going to make Albert Alzali better, which is why I would be willing, more willing to buy Alzali this year. Because now Chicago, and there's a third pack of this, Craig Council is great at working with relievers. Josh Hader started his career wanting to be a starter. Milwaukee realized early on that he was going to walk the park. Craig Council was a big part of the evolution of Josh Hader into who we knew him to be. Craig Council does really well with relievers. I'm really excited to see how that situation plays out in Chicago. Also, I'm curious to see where Janssen signs. Because you know Kenley's going to the Hall of Fame someday. I'm curious... You know who who signs them to close. I'm not I'm not looking at you know roster resource and all the branches out there that need a closer. But hopefully he ends up in a good situation. So Paul Seawald is my other highlight on this list. So he's he's only he's 33 years old, and I thought he was older than that. So I love that because I feel like he can continue this for a few more seasons. And albeit kind of, um, and I. I you said boring. I don't. I don't want to go that far. But he does strike me as someone who you, I wouldn't have. He thought. held down Andres Munoz and Matt Brash, so I'm a little exactly. biased against him. Okay? So, well, because those guys are electric. I would not have thought, but his ERA was two point nine three last season, which is perfect. Like if you can keep it around three at for who he is, I'm I'm all I'm on board with that. He can be my closer, and his whip. 1.02 last season. There you go. Um, And 12.6 Ks per nine. See, that surprised me. He just doesn't strike me as a K per nine guy. But like he that. is. But, but he is. He and absolutely that's what you want, is. And that's why he's getting the results. So those are my two from this list that I'm like, they could be my closer, man. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. with you. And I know I keep using the word closer. And I know you're we're, we're saying, but they are quality. These, these are... Paul Seawald is a quality reliever. He definitely belongs on this list. And he's definitely, again, I would pick Clay Holmes over him, but I think I might be in the minority in that camp, and that's okay. I just uh, feel like I would feel like a little slighted if he was my RP1. But if he was my RP2, I'd be elated. So Garrett Whitlock. Another this starter big, slash reliever. This is this guy is the dark horse to be the premier closer in Boston. I think Boston's going to surprise some people. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoff. That is a top division. But I did think he this really guy's fail finally, as a starter? I mean, what he there's just so much there, like options. Yeah, yeah. yeah I feel like. I listen a lot to... Is he just not durable enough to be a starter? I mean, what's really the... If you listen to the pitcher list reliever guys, um, I believe it was either Rick Graham or Greg Jewett. I was listening to one of their podcasts when... No, they were on uh, talking to Frank Stample on CBS Fantasy Sports today, like a month or so ago. And he said on air... Watch out, the dark horse for saves. And I don't just mean for saves. I mean to end up with like a top, end up as a top 10 closer with like 25 saves by the end of the year is Garrett Whitlock. I'm with you on this. I'm like, I was all on board with him last season and I just kept, 
picking him up and waiting and watching for him to be good in whatever role he was in. Um, but you're right. We You could expect, okay, if he's healthy and he's doing his thing, we're talking about somebody who uh, it's could have an ERA below three. I think that's doable if he gets into the role and does, you know, and get its... Um, gets established in that late innings role. We were talking about a whip around one. These are these are realistic expectations. So he he absolutely belongs on this list. Yes, he does. He could have similar stats to all the guys we just mentioned like, you know. So I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, anybody else on this list you want to talk about? You know, Ryan Prattley, people are going to be down on him. He's still going to be a solid quality really now yeah. I want him as my RP too. I mean he is not he 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 will him and Brian Abreu he's a people he's are gonna be different. down on because Josh Hader's in town. Yeah. But guys don't worry. They're all still getting their results. For sure. It's just if you want play for saves directly, well then you're gonna be sad. But aside from that, he'll just get a lot of he'll rack up holds and it truly unleashes Brian Abreu to be that true fireman that we identified him to be. Right. And I don't don't sleep on those guys. Like Presley coming out in the eighth just, inning and followed by Hater. Yeah. Well, and then throw <laughs> Abreu in there if the right. lineup dictates Abreu could be in that eighth or ninth inning too, and the other guys may not get that hold of that save. It just depends. But yeah. Still, if you want to go to chalk, Abreu in the seventh, personally in the eighth, and Hater in the ninth. You know, I mean, I, that, it doesn't get much more lights out than that. I know, and I always thought, like, I was getting ready to say, like, I feel like Ryan Presley is a different kind of lights out, but really, Ryan is he? Presley because is very his similar whip to is Paul excellent. His K per nine has never been less than last year. It was. <laughs> Last year, his K point per nine was 10.2, and that's the lowest it's been since 2017 when he was still in Minnesota. Okay. It's, it's been over 11, it's 11 or 12. So maybe he's getting you the strikeouts. So. Maybe he's used to sell this time to get him out of the ninth inning roll and get Hader in there. So take, you it know, makes sense. I would think it, that's the logical progression here i mean presley at 34 is you know he he just he's still gonna get he's quality getting a innings. lot of mileage on his yes he does he's gonna still get quality home, innings man. like you said nothing to worry about oh yeah in terms solid of- solid rp2 in my opinion well, well let's talk about if you're okay jay um yeah let's talk about some of these whip specialists here this is our last grouping our last list that we'll leave you with. And um, I, if you don't mind, I've got two guys on here. Three guys, actually, I really want to talk about. But I uh, jump in. I'll, I'll name these guys and we'll start. Okay. So this last group here, when I say whip specialist, these guys have other skills. But these guys stand out in keeping those walked, hits, burning, pitch elite. At least they did last year, and they've got that skill. Or they're in a team contact that's going to optimize their skills to where I think they're some of these guys I'm projecting to be web specialists too. And that's a dangerous game to play. But I've really looked at how bullpen usage has worked in the league, and like you said, Gregory Santos, uh, not Gregory Gregory Soto's whip went from one point. Three six to one point one four, moving from Detroit to Philadelphia. 
That makes these all guys the are all talented. The for me. They're yeah. all talented. Yeah. They were drafted. They're pros for a reason. They got this stuff. You have to have the right team context and coaching around you to optimize your skill set. So, anyway, without further ado, this last group in whip specialists, I call them Robert Stevenson. Oh, we're going to talk about him. Brewster Gratterall, Yiner Cano, Caleb Ferguson, Aaron Bomber, Adam Ardino, Justin Topa, Chris Martin, Jason Adam, and Colin Posh. Now, uh, let's talk about Robert Stevenson because Robert Stevenson kind of took the fantasy community by storm last year. Uh, former failed prospect of the Reds turned into, oh, all of a sudden he finds his way on the Rays and they uh, say, hey, let's use your cutter a whole lot more because that's a really good pitch. And he ends the year with like a, really low whip, but he moved through a stretch from when the Rays acquired him. I forget when that was, June or July, all the way through the end of the year. His whip in that time was .68. This guy has the ability to be a lockdown closer, and now he's he's. there's a little risk involved here. He turned, he turned that great half season into a, a free agent contract with the Angels, where I'm sorry, Carlos Estevez does not make my list because I truly feel like Robert Stevenson will usurp him as the closer in L.A. Fine, give him the month of April. It, the cream rises yeah. to the top eventually. Yeah, I can and see that happening. They just gave Robert Stevenson... Right. The cream rises. Yeah, I think you got it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway, it, it um, does. Um you got whipped cream, sour cream. Yeah, I was thinking corn for some reason. Cream corn? No. Um. Yeah, they just gave Robert Stevenson uh, three years, $33 million. Yeah. So, yeah, I would think that would I be to this, fill a very important role. I also in. think that's kind of a discount because I think he's worth more than and, $11 million a year. You said failed prospect. I don't remember his injury history, but I think we're talking about another, like, Starter turned reliever, probably, I think but no, early, well, early I think on, early he on, was he got going to be a starter. But then, yes, he, he did have a lot of injuries. But I'm then talking he like did 2014, appear 2015 in the in the bullpen, right? So yeah, it is a he's been a reliever for a while. Turnover, you know, but he's always been he he's always been good. I mean, like I think it, you know. But but Again, yes, you're right. Like it is like a reinvention. Guys that are talented, they get drafted, and then their weight, their talent, are wasted until they find themselves in a good team environment. Which is why going to LA kind of scares me a little bit. But if you notice, a lot of these guys, all you got to do is be touched by the Dodgers, be touched by the Rays, be touched by the Mariners, be touched by the Braves. Not trying to get consensual here, guys. I just have a love for pitching. And uh, you, get, you get touched by one of these franchises and you'll be affected forever, I believe. So hopefully whatever Tampa Bay did to work with Mr. Stevenson last summer stick with them on his journey to L.A. Um, Brewster Gratterall, I, I can't say enough. He was so consistent for me last year and holds. Uh, people like, 
some people just are down on him. Like, I don't get it. He pitches for a great team with the Dodgers. I think it's just because he the expectations have been so high. Is He's the not only a strikeout pitcher. But, right? yeah. I would, I would, yeah. That would be when the only reason he traded from the Twins to the Dodgers. His... I thought everyone thought he was going to be their this closer savant right. in the waiting. And, right. And that's just not really came to fruition. But he's not... Done, he's done his job every year. Yeah, but at right, exactly. At this point, just throw that all out the window and he what is, are we what are we really about looking as, at? He's about as solid of an eighth inning guy that you have in all of baseball. And you can rely on him. And then um uh going down the list, Chris Martin of the Red Sox. Now this this is big. Chris Martin played a big role in Nick Pavetta's evolution as a reliever last year. You know what Bruce Dargutero's ERA was last year? Tell me. In 67 innings? Tell me. 1.2. Yes. 1.2. What was his whip, Jay? 0.96. Yes. Yes. Only 6.4 Ks per nine. Yeah, he's not a strikeout guy. Holy cow. But... What are, I told you, he belongs. What? He's a whip specialist, dude. We gotta stop. We gotta stop giving all this information Why? to our league, to our co. Th- this is we're I'm here. just kidding. We're, I'm we're just not kidding. here to hog the stuff. We're here to share. We're here to share. Even if it's our own league mates are taking notes, Jeff, from our podcast. Gosh, like this is great. Come. Come, let's have a conversation. Like you said a few weeks back, this is a long-form podcast. We're here to have a conversation. If it ends up in a debate, all the better. So tell me about Chris Martin. Chris Martin helped the evolution of Nick Pavetta last year. I don't know this from watching. I didn't watch a ton of the Red Sox games, but I was listening to um, a lot of the relief pitcher, you know, experts in the industry also there's one of the uh episodes there was just listen to mlb network i think so it wasn't even yeah it was mlb radio on sirius xm and they had a guy in the boston area covering the team and they said chris martin really took nick pavetta under his wing and worked with worked with uh, a lot of his pitches last year and and you saw Nick Pavetta take off. I think he could have. Well, Garrett Woodlock has been there. I think Chris Martin is that linchpin. That I mean, look up his numbers last year. I believe he had like a one point oh three WHIP or something in in fifty five or sixty innings. But this is a solid setup guy. That even if the Red Sox aren't a great team, he's gonna get you twenty plus holds with good ratios. Um, and then this list is rounded up by a couple of rays. So, yeah, I feel pretty good about these 50 relievers that we've talked about here today, Jay. Uh, well, between last week and this oh, week. But last what do you season find? in Boston, 51 and a third innings, 1.05 ERA. Chris Martin was uh-huh. never that guy. He's always been like a four ERA guy. Yes. Yeah, what's going on? What was the win? I mean, I know you just explained it, but there's analytics involved in a lot of this stuff. By this, and his whip was right around one. 
was 1.03. That's oh, what I said. Freaking crap. You. So because and guys, he went listen to this a this lot of times analytically is, driven game. Yeah. Now when it comes to pitching, especially bullpen usage. Go ahead, Jay. What are you? Well, say? I was going to say his strikeout numbers actually went down. He went to 8.1 Ks per nine, and in previously in his career, he was more like you know 10 to 12. But anyways, oh my god. Okay, you so just guys, blew my mind with those two with Bruce Dark Gratero and Chris Martin. Yeah. Man, you guys want these guys Bruce, the bullpen. Jay Holy. Bruce Gratterall has been consistent for like three years now. So I don't know why people keep sleeping on him. I don't know why either. I mean, like I don't you would have thought he was really bad. He had some really bad numbers a couple years ago. Like but I mean, that's it. We covered it. I'm kind of scared. Will Smith. What were what were his numbers last year? Well, he he didn't. What what happened there? He was. Remind me. Where did he go? He he went from Atlanta. Well, he was in the He was in San Francisco, right? No, and then, no, 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 no. Will Smith was. Did he go to Texas or did did he go from Atlanta to Texas or Texas to Atlanta? That's what I can't remember. Anyways. Sorry. Any, no, it's okay. Anyways. Um, Jay, I'm scared because we're going to be touching up on outfield. Smith. Sorry, guys. He wasn't in. He hasn't been in San Francisco since uh, 2019. So. Yeah. No. Uh, so last year in uh, Texas. Yeah. He pitched 57 innings, 4.4 ERA. I told you, whip don't look at the ERA. Of, I know. His whip was only 1.06, so that's looking yeah. good. 8.6 Ks per nine. Um, He's a solid guy that's going to be in your late inning mix. If you, if you Usually on a – he signed with the Royals. 22 saves last season, so he kind of supplanted Jose LeClerc, who did – well, Jose Clerk won that job back in the postseason. He, he did. He did. He did awesome. And he just, yeah. But he just, I, I don't. Exactly. I don't feel safe exactly. with Clerk back and forth. I mean, Clerk um, is a good RP too. That's why he made my list. But he's got. Yeah, some but boards. he completely had to be taken out of that role and then yeah. work his way back in for whatever reason. Will Smith, just wasn't. Playing Will Smith's well. going to get some saves in April, May, and maybe June because he signed with the Royals. He will be their closer until. They either flip them or maybe this deer where the Royals compete in that week AL Central. We'll see. But, yeah, I think we did the relief pitcher some justice. I think we can put de- our stamp on this. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, um, so what's it going to be next time? Are we going to cover We're, we're going to go into the danger start. zone and talk okay. about the outfielders. All right. And then we're going to wrap up probably sometime in early March with I'm sorry, guys, but this is my pet. Starting pitchers. And I'm saving the best for last. Starting pitching has been uh, something that I've been struggling with for, well, my whole fantasy baseball career, really. but, But especially the last couple seasons. There's only so many of the great ones out there, guys, and you gotta get you gotta have a couple of them on your team, and you gotta have a you gotta have a functioning rotation, which I did not have at the end of last season, and 
either one of my leagues. So I got some work to do here. So I'm going to be listening very closely to what Jason has to say when we get to that point, guys, because I've needed his help to uh, work on my starting pitching. Well, hopefully we were both able to help the community out with looking at relievers oh, and I- getting away from this bad strategy of picking relievers that are in committees and bad teams. Go for quality. And these category leagues punt saves early. You're not committed to punting save throughout the year because you can find saves on the wire. Yes, but that's you can right. Also that's right. Pick. You have to realize you can that also pick you can acquire relievers. closers off the off the waiver wire or the free agent. But market. you can supplement those guys. I mean, those guys will be the supplementation when you pick them off the, the wire because if you invest in quality settlement, firemen, strike guard. Quality relievers that will be the linchpin of your bullpen, then you can get that guy that gets you 10, 15 saves off the wire down the stretch to give you saves so you're not completely punting that category. Remember, whether you play in a 16 team league or higher, 15 team league, we're deep league focused, or even if you're 12 team league, remember. Not everybody's going to stand out in every single statistical category. It does work to your advantage to punt certain categories. And you can punt saves early on. Let's say you want to be the ninth best saves team. You can punt saves early, pick up a guy or two down the stretch, and finish the year as the team, the ninth best saves team in the league. So you're not basically in a head-to-head league. You want to keep every opponent honest. So you're facing the guy that's got like three lockdown closers. Fine. Give him saves. Take holes. Take ratios. Well, definitely. But hold on. To to my credit. I'm sorry, Jay. I got to say, to my credit here, save that one. You want to have that one closer. So when you're playing that team that's like you that doesn't really have many closers, maybe that week is the week you win saves because you've got a chance. But if right. you don't have one, you should try to at least find one. Yeah, you want to be careful. You don't want to punt a category altogether if you can help it. You don't ever want to. You want to give yourself a chance to win every category every week, if at all possible. So, yes, you want to be you know careful with that strategy. And the, the some of the, the flip side of the coin is that and also that we're talking about we're kind of deep league focused. You're talking about a 10, 12 team league everybody's got two outright closers and everybody can have two or three of these guys that we just mentioned on their in their bullpen so um with this deep league focus you i i agree with everything you said this has been fun jay this has been fun i'm ready for the next one i'm ready to I'm ready to cover the outfield because again we're gonna have a list of you know fifty sixty players. Oh, we're gonna have to talk about how we're gonna do this because it's yeah, already yeah. mid February almost, and we we got to get through outfield and starting pitching. I'd like to do it in three podcasts. So maybe we do like outfield. I don't know. Maybe it'll be two or four. Who knows? I think but, we have one marathon, um, and in um, under the under the lights. With this, you know, we can, we I was, can do two I was hour podcast, that, Jay. We can do a two hour podcast now. I feel that two hour podcast on starting pitching. I was hoping that, um, it would that spring training would have already been started when we when we talked about the outfield, but it's gonna be that's gonna be when we do pitching. But you know, pitchers and catchers report 
this coming week. Yep. It's yep. exciting, guys. It is. It's an exciting time to be a baseball fan. Absolutely, and to it be is. a fantasy baseball player. So many teams in baseball have gotten better and that and are going to be like competing. That's why I'm so excited. And well, I hey. know I get thinking that this or that team's going to com- actually compete. Um, you know, I start getting my hopes up, but it, it's so exciting right now. It's going to be spring the- training. Hope spring is eternal, right? Absolutely. Man. Yeah. You know the. The the NL the NL Central I'm ex, I'm excited but I'm actually excited to watch these some of these teams in the AL Central. Everyone's like, nobody's talking about the Guardians, and I'm like, why is nobody talking about the Guardians? They're they're probably gonna they might win their division. I did they get worse? No. From last season to this season, did the Twins get any better? I don't want to bleed my love into Mr. Pablo. I know Lopez. you love Pablo Lopez. I'm telling you, I'm telling you guys, like the American League Central is to be had, but I do think the Twins have another gear they haven't reached. Well, that I can't argue with. I mean, I, and I don't just think of half of those guys on that starting nine stay healthy. What would a what would a 120 to 130 game season from Alex Kirilov look like? What would a 110 to 115 game season from Byron Buxton look like? Uh, how about a 140 game season from Max Kepler? Like all of these guys. How about infusing real um, results? From Edward Julian and Royce Lewis. Oh my gosh! How about a productive Royce season Lewis, from those two at the top of your? What would a hundred twenty game season from him look like? I mean, they've got the players there on offense, and they got the pitching led by Mister Pablo Lopez himself. But I mean, Joe Ryan is a great is, is really like to be your SP your number two guy in the rotation. You know, and then they got, uh, they've got good pitching development there, too. I told you they're one of the five teams to watch for. Bailey Ober really kind of like, you didn't have to look very far to see him coming, even though he was the right. sixth guy to start the year last year. He had a good 2022 season that should have shown you, hey, this guy is, knows what he's doing, you know. Well, he's right there in that number three spot in the rotation, is, too. Like, what Chris, can we Paddock Chris Paddock is not going to, you know, but overtake him and, he's and not, be in the third best. But can we get, say, 20 to 25 starts from Chris Paddock and see if right. he's 75% of the 2019 Chris Paddock that everybody loved? And in today's game, you just need him to go four or five innings. Like, you don't need... You're not trying to turn him back into you know. You're not trying to get seven innings out of this guy. It's not happening. This is my dark it's, horse. Just team. get this is my dark get him horse. Through the team. fifth, try to get him through the first and get him through the fifth. And Jay, this is my there. dark horse team to sign one of the pitchers that's left out there. I'm not talking about Blake now, but I really could see Jordan Montgomery going to Minnesota. Oh man, if to he fit does, in that rotation, he fills out the rotation perfectly because that rotation needs a lefty. Yeah. And let's say that rotation, you add Jordan Montgomery, and let's say you go Pablo Lopez, Joe Ryan, Jordan Montgomery, uh, Bailey Ober, and then let Chris Paddock and Louis Barlin, or they can go six man, but yeah. let Paddock and Barlin to keep them, keep Paddock healthy. Watch out. I I do see uh, Minnesota as a dark horse lane spot for Jordan Montgomery. We're going a little long here, guys. We really enjoyed talking about relief pitchers today. And. 
Hopefully we shed some light on uh, some of your draft endeavors and what to do, what not to do. Guys, look forward to our outfield podcast, position preview, position rankings. Look forward to our starting pitching rankings. Guys, go back and listen to our catcher um, position rankings. Go back and listen to our second base rankings. Um Go back and listen to our shortstop rankings, even though we left O'Neill Cruz off of our list. That's Sorry okay. about that, guys. You know that was what? A I'm not I will, worried I'll, about I'll it. I'll take the lump on that. Um, so I based a lot of these position eligibilities on games played the previous year. And even though I know O'Neill Cruz is a shortstop, yes. he got hurt like the first week of the season last year. I don't think in a lot of the leagues, in a lot of the leagues like CBS, he did not meet. Yeah, uh, enough games at the position to be more than a util only bat. So I didn't include him, sure. but unfortunately, I I was wrong. He actually had seven games in at shortstop, which in Yahoo and Fantrax gives him shortstop eligibility for this year. So he was an omission on my part. That was an error because I thought he played less than the required games. So I'm sorry about that, guy. But I believe I said you know. If you go back and listen to my shortstop podcast, if O'Neill Cruz... We did mention his name once. He, so. he would fit right there at number 10 on my shortstop ranking, right ahead of um, Haas John Kim and behind, I think, uh, in the whole tier of C.J. Abrams, O'Neill Cruz, and Jackson Holiday, Right behind Jackson Holiday. And what we did mention... Was his physical stature, which I like. He's got that going for him. Okay. Wow. Does he end up right? He's like the L.A. De La Cruz body type. Does he end up playing right field someday? Is he going to be a shortstop for his whole career? That's, you know, one of the conversations to be had about him. Um, and De La Cruz for that matter. But at this point, De La Cruz, oh my God. I just, I just love these athletes, man. I, I just, I just love their ability to. Hair around the base path. This right here, eat. guys, is why you should tune in to us every week. Every time we do a podcast. Because we bound Jay and I balance each other out so much. Like as much as as much as I feel like I know about pitching, I sometimes leave myself short sighted on hitting. Or Jay has a very strong background with with not only like good hitting but solid hitting across the board. And not chasing too much on elite hitting and leaving himself short on other parts of his roster. Jay has a history in his leaves of having solid hitting lineup spots one through nine. I have so, to say though, I have to say that I fall I feel that I've fallen into <clears throat> what you fell into a few years ago and what we still have to keep ourselves out of, which I've been getting too cute with it, man. We're addicted to trades. Well, that too. That too. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jason Call, and I'm addicted to to fantasy baseball trades. I'm addicted to fantasy baseball, period. But yes, we get addicted to trades, and yes, and that is a scenario where you can get too cute with it. You get focused on one guy. Gotta have this guy. Gotta have this guy. He's so good. Well, just be careful that you're not getting too cute with it. And when I say cute with it, you I don't mean, have to overwhelm the other guy to get a trade through. If it gets to the point well, where you that, have a strong offer on the table and he's just teetering, but he's not going to do it. What I'm going to try to do more of this year is letting it be instead of trying to overwhelm him because then in the end, I end up 
being the one. Yeah, but you you have this history of being that guy that makes offers that people can't refuse. And so I don't think you should be too down on yourself for that. But when I say too cute, I mean I have been – I had got stripped of, of power at some point. And I used to be that guy always chasing the power. And really it got a lot of good results for me. And I don't want to forget that. Um you can never have too much hitting and you can never have too much power. And I talked about that on our strategies podcast last season. And go back and listen to that, guys. That was last go back June. And, yeah. go, go back and listen to our winning strategies. For those of you that haven't listened to us, go back and listen to the winning strategies where we start talking about just overall winning strategies for fantasy baseball, constructing your roster, You know what, how to evaluate players. And uh, we'll talk about more of this stuff as we get into the season. As we start the season, we're going to talk about our leagues. We're going to have episodes dedicated to our leagues for our listeners who are in the Premier League and the Fantasy, in the fantasy Forever League. So um, anything and, else you want to say? I think it's a good signing out. Boy. This is it, man. Let's get out of here. We are the Fantasy Baseball Advocates signing out. Be well, guys.